Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hello. Hi, Dwayne. Hello. Hello. How you doing, brother? Pretty good, and yourself? It's been about 12 years since I last seen you. I come from an area where not too many people make it. It was always my dream that I'd get the chance to go to college, but we just didn't have the money. You mean so much to us, and my brother Joaquin loved you from the beginning. He passed away in Parkland on February 14th. He was one of the 17 victims. Ten days before Christmas, our house burned down and we lost everything. It was one of the lowest points in my life. Hey, Dwight. How you doing, Ma? You were the joy of my life. But I was dropping the ball. That day that I just couldn't do it no more was the day that I was going to have to turn myself in. And I seen the tears just fall from your eyes. Your mama went down a road, Dwayne, that I didn't ever think I'd come back from. But on that road, I noticed you kept showing up. And you'll come and see about me. And Dwayne, because you believe in me, when I got out of prison, I was a different woman. We received a phone call. Would you mind if Dwayne Wade take you and the family <laughs> on a shopping spree? It just meant the world to me that you were there for us at this time. And Thank you. you became our hero. A lot of the words that you said hit a spark and kind of changed where I was going. Without you and your full tuition scholarship, none of this would have been possible. You're not way the basketball player, the legend. You're the human being that took the time and on his own, wrote my brother's name on his shoe, and you cared. When you bought your mama that church, you don't even understand the lives that you changed. So I don't have a jersey but I brought you this. I don't have a jersey to trade with you, but I definitely have this, the blazer that I wore to my first job interview. My cap and gown from graduation. This is important because Joaquin wore this in his last championship. My family wanted you to have it. Please don't forget my brother, Joaquin. Having you as a role model has made all the difference. One of the special robes that you gave me purple symbolized royalty and you are royal in everybody's life that you've touched you completely changed the course of my life i know my brother is with you always it wouldn't been possible to be here if it wasn't you i am more proud of the man you have become than the basketball player you are bigger than basketball You know, in an age uh, where our culture has deadbeat dads and absent dads and engaged dads and workaholic dads and toxic masculinity, I saw that video about three months ago and I thought, um, that is the best of, I think, what God calls us to. 
in leveraging the strength and power God's implanted. Uh, women, you have strength and power too, but it's Father's Day, so give me a pass. Uh, <clears throat> in a man, and leveraging that for the good where there's pain and uh, giving it away. What's great about that too is I was actually at the Warriors game when he traded jerseys with Steph, and I'm going, what is this? And um, what's beautiful about that is um, what his mom said, and I want to pick up on that and get in the scriptures. Um, you're a great basketball player, I'm paraphrasing here, but I am more proud of the man you are becoming. And men, I know it's not innate in us to think through who are we becoming? And what, do, what part do we have in that? What part does God have in that? Who we are, we know is more important than what we do, but how do we prioritize who we are in Christ? That's what I want to talk about today. So grab your Bibles, grab your message notes, open to Romans 8, and let's talk about the power of becoming. Men and women, do you like who you're becoming? Do you like the woman that you're turning into or the man that you're turning into? Who we're becoming really matters. And I want to share with you today the greatest, most transformative lesson I've ever learned about becoming that God has hardwired us in Christ. This is unique to in Christ. He's hardwired us in Christ for change, but he gives us some responsibility in the process, which is amazing to me. He lets me in on the family business, if you will, of becoming like Christ. Our main idea, our big idea is on page one. I'll come back to it multiple times. Your life, my life will move in the direction of our greatest thoughts. Our life moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. According to 2005 National Science Foundation study, the average person thinks, I don't know how they got this, but it's the National Science Foundation, so I'm going with them, uh, 60,000 thoughts a day. Average person thinks 60,000 thoughts a day. They say that 95% according to the study are the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. 95% of your thoughts. Of that, they say that 80% are negative. So 80% of the 95% repetitive thoughts of the 60,000 thoughts are negative. Now, if our life moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts, no wonder our headlines are filled with all the ills and what have you. Our inner dialogue is so powerful, men and women. When my thoughts, when your thoughts are full of faith, saturated in God's truth, we are becoming more like Christ every day day. We sung it. His mercies are new every morning, right? But when our thoughts are toxic, polluted, I promise you, when you open the trap or the window or the front door of your mind and let every thought in, I promise you, you are moving in a direction that is destructive and regretful. So how do we become Let's dig into it. Romans chapter 8. Let's start on page 1. Everyone's got a Bible. Let's dig in. The power of thinking. Let me just build a case for how powerful our thinking is. And by the way, we're using the Bible, but science backs this up. The power of your mind. What are your most dominant thoughts? Just think about it. Do a thought audit over the last 24 hours. What were the most dominant? Don't go through all 60,000. I'll lose you, okay? But what were the most dominant thoughts in your mind over the last 24 hours. 
Look what the scripture says. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, the sinful nature is the, uh, the flesh, the, your appetites of your flesh. Whatever you want to fill your mind, your body with, that is what the Bible calls a sinful nature. It could be uh, food, it could be uh, lust, it could be greed, it could be power, what, it could be anger. It's just whatever's innate, you go for it, Okay. If you're dominated by that, by the sinful nature, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think that word literally means are fixated on. I mean, quite literally, in the original Greek language, it says are minded. Are minded by what? Sinful things. Your life goes in the direction of your strongest thoughts. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, do you see there's a counter here? Think are minded about things that please the Spirit of God. You are primarily a spiritual being. You'll never hear that in the culture. It's all obsessed with our flesh and our body and our careers and what have you. But you are primarily a spiritual being. It works itself out through this thing called the flesh. But who you truly are lives forever. And that's what we're talking about here. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads where, church? Okay, say it again. One more time. It's not talking about physical death, although sometimes that happens. It's talking to a life separated from God. What matters most dies. The spiritual life in you, relationships that matter, values that matter, your character. You let your mind be controlled by that sinful nature. You will live with regret the rest of your life. But there's an alternative in Christ Letting the spirit control your mind leads to what? Leads to what? And peace, right? It's what, what we all want. It's what fills the headlines. It's what fills, uh, and we spend so much money trying to get life and peace. I read a book uh, written about 30 years ago called The Strangest Secret. And in it, the author takes this verse and gives an illustration. Let me bring you into it. He says, suppose a farmer has some land. It's good, fertile land. Now, the land gives a farmer a choice. He may plant in that land whatever he chooses. The land doesn't care. It's up to the farmer to make the decision. The farmer has two seeds in his hands. One is a seed of corn. The other is nightshade, a deadly poison. He digs two little holes in the earth, and he plants both seeds, one corn, the other nightshade. He covers up the holes, waters, and takes care of the land. What will happen, the author asks. Invariably, the land will return what's planted in it. As it's written in the Bible, as you sow, you will reap. That's Galatians 6, 8, if you wonder where that is. Now remember, the land doesn't care. It will return poison in just as a wonderful abundance as it will return corn. The human mind, the author says, is far more fertile, far more incredible far more mysterious than the land, but it works in the same way. It doesn't care what we plant in it, but what we plant will return to us and exhibit itself through us. I love this line. I'll close with this. The human line is the last great unexplored continent on earth, the author says. It will return anything we plant. I vividly remember three years ago, I was going on sabbatical and I was journaling on the first day of my sabbatical and I was in uh, Oakland uh, taking care of some family stuff. And I remember sitting in Jack London Square and there was chaos all around me. There was construction, there was loud noises, there was uh, trains going by. 
And I remember journaling going, what's going around me is actually a metaphor of what's going on inside me. I am tired. I am tired of continually feeling like I'm letting down everybody. I'm spinning too many plates. I'm trying to live under too many expectations. And I'm living marginless. I remember sitting there in Jack London Square journaling going, something's got to change. God was so faithful that day to answer that prayer and over the summer to teach me a key principle that I want to bring to you about change, about change. So the power of your thinking, what are the thoughts that dominate your inner dialogue? Because your life will move, your relationships will move, your character will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Let's go to the next principle, page two. Look at this. Change of thinking. A change of thinking. We're going to hang out here for a little bit, so get ready, everybody. Romans chapter 12, Brian read it, verse 2. Let's look at this. You're going to see active verbs. You're going to see passive verbs. An active verb is what God holds you responsible for. A passive verb is what you have no control over. The challenge in Christianity is when we don't take responsibility for what God holds us responsible for, but we try to take responsibility for what only God can do. Am I the only one that, okay, so watch this. Here we go. Don't conform, that word conform means to shape according to a pattern. It's the word we get schematic from. To shape according to a pattern. Uh, The image I would bring to you, the biblical writer wouldn't do this, is a blacksmith. Think of a blacksmith heating up metal, pounding that metal into a form. That's the image of conform. To shape according to a pattern. Now, do not conform. I've read three words. Is that active or is that passive? Come on, you can be bold and safe. You can be authentic, right? Active. God holds you responsible and me, if you identify as a follower of Christ, responsible for this. What are we not to conform to? Paul wrote this to a church in Rome that was living counterculturally. They were trying to, for instance, what do you mean counterculturally? Well, they worshiped on a Sunday. In the Roman culture before Constantine, the fourth century, uh, Sunday was a work day. And so to be a follower of Christ, if you valued community, you didn't show up to work, you gathered with the church. Um, They had dietary prohibitions that were contrary to the Roman era of its day. Uh, They were crazy enough to give 10% of their income to this local church. And people thought they were crazy. And so Paul's writing them and says, there is a cultural current, a cultural pressure that wants to squeeze you to look like a Roman. And it's as strong as a blacksmith that pounds metal. It is strong. And the prohibition is walk differently because you are different. If you identify as a follower of Christ, you love our city, but you will never feel completely at home in our city because you hold values of an eternal kingdom that at times go contrary to our city. Can I get an amen? Amen. So it says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, active or passive? Passive. Way to go. Passive. 
In other words, there is an agent that will come on you if you allow it to do the transforming. Do you know what that word means in Luke chapter 9? Remember when Jesus walked a hill and suddenly he had three disciples and he became white from the inside? Uh, Luke chapter 9 verse, uh, verse 29 says, white as lightning. Something happened at his core and it worked its way through. The word transformed is the word used in Luke 9, 29 for transfigured. It's the word we get metamorphosis from, to be changed from the inside out. In other words, there's two opportunities for change here. You can let the culture like a tsunami sweep you away and mold you. And I just want to say, Rebid City does not need more people who look like Rebid City. Rebid City needs kingdom agents in it who love differently, who have mercy differently, who stand for justice differently, who embrace different and diversity differently. That's what Rebid City needs. How's it going to happen? By being transformed. How? Last verb, by the renewing of your mind. Is that active or passive? Active. In other words, the claim in scripture, and what I love about this, this isn't me changing me. I'm not calling you to do more today. I'm calling you to surrender. This is me and God changing me. Somehow God gives me responsibility. This is me and God stopping the negative lies that are coming into my mind, replacing them with godly truth. This is me not giving subtle agreements like Dave, you did such a great job um, in your story when, when abuse and lies came your way, holding on to that, putting that in your backpack. This is me not giving subtle agreement to lies, but holding on to truth, working to align my thoughts with God's word. And when I think God's thoughts, you ready for this? When I think God's thoughts and renew my mind with God's thoughts, God doesn't change me into a better person. He transfigures me. That's a process that will take a lifetime, but that is the claim, my friends. There is a power available to you and me in God's word that will transfigure you and me from the inside out, as opposed to what I would call the normal religious system of conforming to a religious culture from the outside in, or conforming to a godless culture from the outside in. Um, my daughter, Hannah, I've shared this illustration a couple of years ago, but it's, it's so appropriate here. So afford me. It's Father's Day anyway, right? I can brag on my daughter. Um, she was running a crazy race in Grass Valley. It was a 50K race. And it started at 7,000 feet, went up to like 10, 11,000 feet, and then up a series of hills and then came back. And we were there to cheer her on at the, at the finish line. Uh, what she did the week before, though, with the series of hills, she knew that was coming. She called about 40 or 50 of her closest friends and family, including people in this church, and said, I need your help because there's going to come a point in this ultra where I'm going to be facing a hill and I'm not going to want to get up it. I need you to leave me a voicemail so that when I face that hill, I'll hit your voicemail and your voice will play in my head and get me up the hill. She said, uh, it was unbelievable. We talked, this was two years ago. I was talking to her yesterday about it because I wanted to make sure I got the story right. She said, dad, it was unbelievable. I just lost myself in the voicemails on my phone and suddenly the hills seemed conquerable. 
Now, hold that illustration. Let me ask you this question, okay? This is so important. Whose voice is in your head? My friends, God's word is a voicemail for a lifetime because life's an ultra. Jesus promised in this world, you're gonna have trouble. But then he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. And he's given us, and wouldn't it just be like the enemy to make, I'm just talking about me here, like I was uh, three years ago, and, and continually it's my habit to go back there, to make our lives so busy, to flood us with godless messages. And so we neglect the word of God. We say, God, I don't need your voicemail. I'm doing it on my own. Wouldn't it just be like the enemy to deceive us like that? And the end result, we're no different than the pattern of the world. And people see our lives that contradict what we claim, and that's for hypocrisy, which we all have a degree of, but that's where hypocrisy runs rampant. God has more for us than that, my friends. So what I'm saying is there is, uh, there is a power of thinking. Your lives move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You can change your inner narrative, and here's how. Fight like a Christ follower. Fight like a Christ follower. I'm just going to tell you, passive um, following of Jesus Christ, you'll never become the person you want to be. You'll never turn into the Christ-like character you want to be. You're not going to wake up one day and be godly. You have to take ground day by day in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what God taught me that summer. Look in your Bibles to uh, Romans, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. It's in your notes, it'll be on the screen, but you may want to turn to it in your Bible as well. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. For that we live, and by the way, if you go, oh, gosh, fight, war, I don't like that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sorry, we are at war. Uh, spiritually speaking, there are forces opposed to everything God wants for you, opposed to your character, opposed to your health, opposed to relationships, no matter. There are forces. Come on, you could testify to this. How many of you just had the best time coming to church today? How many of you didn't fight at all, right? How many of your kids got up and said, let's go? Sometimes that happens. It's our dream, actually. But there are forces opposing everything you want to do in Christ. Look what it says. Though we live in the world, that would be where we are right now. My address is 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard. That's where we are. We don't wage, what's the next word, church? What? Yeah, war. Apostle Paul said, actually, life's a war. And we don't wage war the way the world does. How does the world wage war? Just, man, listen to social media. Or, you know, go on social media. Listen to podcasts. Uh, read the headlines, sound bites, uh, bullying up. Um, I can go on and on and on. It's terrible. Degrading talk. Power. That's how the world wages war. That's not how Jesus waged war. But he was no less a warrior. I had to get the warriors in somehow. <laughs> The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to do what? To demolish. Think implosion, okay? Think of the viral videos when they implode a building. That's what that word demolish means. It, it means to tear down a building and make it flat. So there's something evil that comes at you that you have the power to completely implode. What is it? Strongholds strongholds. A very little translation of this would be the image of a prisoner thinking they're locked up in a prison 
and the door is wide open. That, my friend, is a stronghold. It's the deception of the enemy to think you'll always be or that relationship will always be or that character issue will always be what it's always been. Let me say that again. Stronghold is when you lose hope and you believe the lie like you're locked in a prison that that character issue, that relationship, uh, that vision that God gave you will always be what it's always been. You're never going to be the person God wants you to be. And the Apostle Paul's going right after this and says, on the contrary, no, 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 we have been given weapons to demolish strongholds. Now look what it says. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? See, your minds are porous. We live in a spiritual realm, and in the demonic realm, in the satanic realm. I'm sorry for bringing this on. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Come back next week. Um, But there are evil, angelic beings that speak lies into your mind. You'll never change. You'll never get over that. She'll always be the same. You're a terrible father. You're a loser. You're a poser. Where do those come from? They're not innate. They come into our minds. And the Bible says when we take hold of them and make an agreement with them, that suddenly becomes a strong hold. You're right. Oh, my gosh, you're right. I am a loser. I am this. I am that. We have a leadership team that I thank God for, a group of men and women that lead this church that I'm accountable to and every pastoral staff is accountable to. And we have a superintendent, like a bishop, that uh, for our region that came and spoke to the leadership team. And he opened up that time uh, last month and was very nice, said some nice things about me. And then he said, in a joking way, I know Gary's just a sinner saved by grace. And then he went on. One, our officer on our leadership team, her name's Rebecca, who's in her 30s and is way more wise than her 30 years because she is, she's amazing. She, when we took a break, came right up to me and said, hey, I want to tell you something. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You are a child of God who sometimes sins. And I want that thought to replace what your superintendent put in your mind. Do you see how a stronghold could develop? And then my sister in Christ came to speak truth over my stronghold. That's what Paul's talking about here. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive or we take prisoner. How many thoughts? Every thought and make it obedient to Christ. How do we find freedom to become God-honoring men and women in this war we find ourselves in, we capture rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. So friends, here's my Father's Day gift to you and then I'll give you a tool. You ready? I've said this before. Don't believe everything you think. You don't have to believe everything you think. As followers of Christ, you take those thoughts and you develop a grid and you hold them up to the truth of the word, the truth of the cross. It's like a TSA. If you're taking notes, Philippians chapter four, verse eight, you know how you go into that TSA and you go in front of that scanner and you totally expose yourself and just stand in there like that? Um, Scripture has a TSA for what should stick in your mind and what shouldn't. I'll read it over you, Philippians 4, eight. 
So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, holy, merciful, kind. Look at that, my friends. That is your TSA grid for your mind. When things don't line up with that, you let them go. So, close with two questions and give you the, t- give you the tool. Two questions. What negative thoughts are dominating your thinking right now? What are they? I mean, I don't want you to tell me, but I do want you to wrestle with this today or this week. I'm a poser. I'm not good enough. I always battle such and such. I'm always going to struggle with such and such. I'm just an average student. Outside the last one, those are thoughts that dominate and tend to dominate my thinking. What do you do with it? That's where page three comes in. What I learned uh, that summer was to take the truth of God's word and surround the impure or negative thoughts in my mind, the things that were sub-scripture, and then to read and declare out loud because the demonic realm that can't read my mind, they can plot, play, uh, they can input thoughts in my mind, but they can't read my mind. And so to read out loud on a daily basis who I am in Christ. I edit these about every six months and in a, just out of full authenticity and vulnerability, I'm sharing some of my daily declarations with you. This morning, I woke up early and I clawed my way to a place where I postured my soul before God and fought. And I stand right here, I stood right here, and just not right here, but I stood on these daily declarations. It's what gets me, regardless of how I'm feeling. I didn't feel like getting out of bed this morning. I wanted to be with Pastor Pillow in the Church of the Holy Sheets this morning. (laughs) But I claw, and I'm not saying this because I'm better than any of you. You can do this too. I clawed my way and declared truth. I bring value to people, blessing, not cursing. It's not something I do, it's who I am. Redwood City and the world will be different and better today because I serve Jesus. I wake up and fight for hope, purpose, perspective, and freedom every day, bringing my best and then some, taking risk but taking responsibility every day. It's what I do after I bring my best that's gonna make a difference. I am authentic because of the cross. I have nothing to prove, nothing to fear, nothing to hide nothing to be ashamed of. Walking in a new identity given me by the Lord Jesus Christ, I am worth a son to God. I look over my family and I say, you know what? I am married to an incredible woman who primarily, before she's my wife, is a daughter of God and has been entrusted to me in marriage. And together, we are exponentially better. And with her, we are raising five resilient, world-changing women who will live in the best versions of themselves. I will not settle for the natural today. When God offers me to live a supernatural existence, I will walk boldly in the power of the Holy Spirit today. I am telling you, for three years, that has changed and it's altered, and I look at it from t- uh, and alter and edit it. But over time, God is molding me into the man I was called to be. And so my happy Father's Day, everybody. My gift to you is that you can change, that God gives you responsibility in that process. And I want to invite you to make daily declarations bathed in scripture that surround your weakness so that you too can reinvigorate the strength and the power to become 
not just to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much. And ask, you know my heart's prayer all week preparing this message, that you would inspire some people who are serious about living for you to seek you honestly, openly, transparently, and to open up the word and say, here's where I'm weak. Here's where I'm vulnerable. Here's where I've been talking myself down. Would you speak your truth and help set people free? Empower us to hear from you, Lord, to declare your truth in a way that would change our mind, conform us into the image of Christ. It is the need of the hour. Passive following of you, tepid following of you just won't do anymore. And so we confess we've fallen short. We invite you to renew our minds with the truth that the cross paid for all our sins if we're in Christ. Lord, we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Would you raise up in this gathering men and women who would take the daily declaration challenge and create their own. Give them the scripture to move around their weakness. Give them the fight and the discipline to every day declare who we are in you. If you're here, and I just want to say, I I, I wrap this up, and you're checking out Jesus, the only declaration God wants from you is Jesus is Lord. Because the scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be transformed too. And you can access this power to become the man or woman God had in mind when he created you in the first place. If you've never made that declaration, Jesus is Lord. I want to follow him. You can say that right now silently. Jesus is Lord. I want to follow you. And then talk to one of the pastors or someone you saw up here or a prayer person that'll be here at the end of the service. Lord, we love you. Jesus, thank you that you came fighting and swinging for us so that we can join you for what really matters, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said triumphantly. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.